That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for the new episode in Season 4 of What the Football Podcast, the sound we love to hear, a goal being scored in a football match. Welcome back for another week. I'm joined by my hosts yet again, Rudds, back from Melbourne. How are you there, sir? Shut Connell. Yeah, I'm good. Good, thanks. As good as we can be in lockdown. Not only are you in lockdown, but you have to enjoy an international break. I don't think there's anything worse than those two combinations. <laughs> Tell me about And, of course, we got our resident Arteta cheering fan club, uh, Mr. Wade Trower. How are you, sir? Also coming from sunny, not-so-sunny Melbourne. Yeah, thanks, Connell. Good to be back. Um, as you said, obviously not much going on in the football world at the moment, but... Um, now looking forward to getting, getting stuck into some interesting topics tonight. So happy to be back. Well, I suppose as an Arsenal fan, you'll take the week off. It just means a week less of <laughs> abuse coming your way. So you probably yep. had a good break. So ladies and gentlemen, we got another week here. We probably changed the show up a bit given the fact that we have had a international break. Um, Nothing much exciting happening there unless you watch the Argentina-Brazil game, which is about the most exciting thing that happened. It lasted all of six minutes, and that was the end because of some COVID restrictions that were broken. But the less said about the internationals, the better. I guess for us, the topics of conversation this week are transfers and taking a look at the term squad depth and what that actually means. So, in our first segment, we're going to be analyzing who's done the business, who hasn't done the business, and who perhaps has been shrewd in the way that they've approached this transfer window, um, in the way that they've gone about making some purchases. You know, we've seen some massive purchases made, um, maybe not big outlays in terms of, of, of dollars up front. Of course, the headline act being the return of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. Um, you know, probably the biggest signing of the window. Some would say arguably top two player in the world and a real statement signing by, by Man United. Others might point to Liverpool and say not much transfer action happening there. Only Canote coming in as an additional center back. Arsenal have actually been the biggest spenders this transfer window, uh, bringing in a number of players, um, and sticking to their policy of bringing in bringing in young and upcoming players into their squad. So I guess there's a lot to analyze, and I might hand it over to one of our pundits, uh, Wade. What has been your take on the transfer window, Wade, and what have uh, been some of the your musings, I guess, across the teams? Yeah, well, there's there's been a, a, a couple of teams that have really caught my eye. Um, you know, having a look at, uh, at who came in uh, over the summer, there were three teams that really stood out for me. Uh, the first team being Aston Villa. I think uh, bringing in Emi Buendia, who was obviously influential uh, for Norwich in the championship last season, was a very good piece of business uh, to get the window rolling for them. He was obviously very good in the Premier League the season before when they went down as well. Um, Leon Bailey is a player that was linked with uh, many big clubs over the years. And having a quick look at his numbers, obviously didn't watch much of Leverkusen last year, to be fair. But looking at his numbers, he seems to have had his best return for the club last season. So another good piece of business there. And obviously Danny Ings, proven goal scorer in the Premier League. Um, 
you know, to go with Dolly Watkins, who they already have there, I think is was another good piece of business. So very impressed with what Aston Villa did. Uh, Leicester as well, I think, brought in some very good players. You know, as an Arsenal fan, quite envious of the way they go about their business, to be honest, because every season they just uh, seem to have great windows. Um, I think their recruitment is up there with the best in the league. Uh, Patson Daka is obviously someone that's quite highly rated um, coming in. Uh, Samaria was part of that Lille team that won the uh, that won league earn last year, so he comes with a big reputation by all accounts. Very very strong, good midfielder. And Vestergaard is someone I was always impressed with as well at Southampton. Always always seemed to defend well when we played against them. Uh, obviously quite a physical presence and you know very good on the ball, very calm, and also had a very good Euros as well. So. Very impressed with Leicester and Aston Villa, but I think it's hard to look past what Man United have done uh, this transfer window. You mentioned there in the intro, uh, Ronaldo coming back. I mean, just to have that guy's presence in the locker room is going to do wonders for that team, I think. Um, obviously, Varane comes with a big reputation. You know, he's won pretty much everything in the game. Uh, world-class defender, definitely one of the best centre-backs in the world as well. Uh, so very impressed with that. And then Jaden Sancho as well, you know, just to add to that front line, which is um, just littered with options. So for me, they were the big winners uh, of the transfer window. I think it's very hard to look past what they've done. Um, I'm happy with what Arsenal have done, you know, contrary to a lot of reports that have come out. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm quite excited to see uh, a lot of new faces as well that have come through. Um, so we'll see how it goes. It is a long-term project, obviously, but in terms of impact now, um, I think Man United have done tremendous work. So for me, they would be the big winners of the window. Uh, in terms of, you know, perhaps teams that are, haven't been that exciting or haven't done, you know, much exciting things in this window, obviously your boys Liverpool, Connell, uh, haven't really made uh, many moves. Kanate is probably going to be a good signing, but I think, uh, by way of center backs, they're quite strong there already. So, uh, perhaps Liverpool fans will be a little bit disappointed with their window, but, um, yeah, those are my big takeaways, I guess, from the transfer window. I think it's hard to look past what Man United have done, to be quite honest. I think that's a really, some really good points there. Um, you've raised Wade, uh, you know, specifically around Aston Villa and some of the shrewd signings that they have brought in, um, considering the loss of, you know, someone like, uh, Jack Grealish to Man City. Um, they seem to be on the right path, Villa, from becoming an almost relegated club to, to being maybe a top off table kind of team. So I take your point on that one. Rods, what what has been happening over there at United? You know, bringing back the prodigal son uh, Cristiano Ronaldo to do a bus parade, no doubt, at the end of the season with a couple of trophies there, presumably the Premier League and Champions League. Um, what have you made of your team's transfer window, and what do you think of the likes of Arsenal and, and Liverpool and Chelsea, and also some of the other teams like Villa um, in terms of their signings this transfer window? So that, that bus parade, I mean, those are your words, not mine. So, um, uh, I'll be happy to, <laughs> I'll be happy if you're right on that. Um, in terms of the transfer window, look, a lot to agree with what Wade has said. So hard to look past Aston Villa and what they've done. Um, when they did sell Jack Grealish, I thought it was a very, very good interview or video that Christian Perslow did, the CEO. So he came out and spoke about 
why they had to let him go, what the hundred million means, and what they plan to do with it. So he said that they looked at at Grealish and they looked at what he provided, and decided to to replace him with three players. So um, as as Wade alluded to, Ings, Bendia, and and Leon Bailey. So um, you just wonder whether it's um, the same sort of issue that perhaps Spurs had. So when they sold Bells and, and they thought similar, let's use the Bell money and instead of just getting a like-for-like replacement, let's get a few players. Um, I won't say there was a total failure because there was a couple of good players that had come from that. Um, but in large, a lot of people look at that Spurs dealing as, as a flop. Um, I've also thought Leeds have done decent work. Um, they've got a, um, you know, I think the Bielsa model is quite good. He looks for people that fit in there, can run up and down. Um, I know they've just taken Dan James from United and that looks, uh, um, that looks a good signing for them and someone that they've been tracking for a long time. Um, in fact, they actually had signed him, um, without the deal going through. Um, and United were able to slip in and, 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 and steal Daniel James from Leeds. Um, so much so that he actually had um, a photo with the kit um, ready to go. Um, so they re-released that, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, they also t- tapped into the Barcelona shambles and brought in Junior Firpo um, to add some depth there. So I think they they look good. Um, United, um, yeah, look, I'm always worried about winners and losers in transfer windows because a, a, a transfer window can look fantastic on papers. Let's see how these players deliver. Um, I think if you look on, on paper exactly what United needed, it ticks all the boxes. The one, the one spot that I'll say I'm a little bit concerned about would be the midfield. Um, in saying that, um, you know, we've got Donny van der Beek and, um, I just watched an interview with him today and, and he spoke about playing the number six role and, and that's where he started and that's where he sees himself in this team. So perhaps that's what Ollie got in mind. Um, and that's why he probably didn't get a midfielder is because uh, he wants to give Donny a chance. I know Everton came in for him in the last minute and, and Oli said no. He blocked that move because he said it's important for him this season and he's going to get the time. So um, hopefully that, that comes through and he proves to be a good player. Um, so look, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, in terms of winners and you, you, in the transfer window, what you try to do is really plug your gaps. You know, you, you try to identify what what are the issues in your in your team, and you fill that. And I think, you know, United have done that, um, but I think who's done that better is probably Chelsea. So Chelsea had a big transfer window last year. Um, they they added really good quality players to their squad, um, but up front there was a massive gap. They needed someone who can bang in goals, and they've gone in there and they've spent the money, and they've got someone who can bang those goals in. So I think that's a, a great bit, bit of business, and getting Saul Niggers um, on the last day. I think is another should should bit of business. So it seems as our pundits have uh, Rodgers taken Chelsea um, slightly ahead of United in in the transfer window success. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe uh, Mr. Trow has called out uh, Aston Villa as having the the best transfer window. Um, I might chime in and say, look, I probably agree outside of the top top six Villa. Definitely seem to have the strongest uh, window, probably followed by, um, oh, sorry, outside the top four, not top six. Probably say Villa have had the strongest, along with Leicester, perhaps. Um, 
I also think that Chelsea and United on paper have made all the right moves. Um, I'd probably slightly put United ahead of Chelsea in, in the window, specifically because of the caliber of the two, specifically the two players they signed. Varane, we're talking about a four times Champions League winner. So, um, you know, pedigree beyond most players. Um, and we're talking about arguably the, the greatest in some people's eyes, not mine, of all time in Cristiano Ronaldo coming back, you know, albeit at the age of 36, but, you know, his numbers speak for himself. And that man is a, a natural born winner. So, you know, two real statement signings by United and two real quality signings at the end of the day. And then you've got the, the ever, ever vessence and, and ever learning, uh, Jaden Sancho with all that ability coming in to give you that additional depth out wide. And it's quite a transfer window by, by Manchester United, I think, which probably just slightly pips them ahead of Chelsea for me. Um, albeit I think Chelsea still probably have a ultimately better squad overall. I think United win this transfer window for me with that deal. I will point out one fact that maybe everybody's missed. Everybody's going on about the fact that Liverpool signed one player and, and that was it. Well, so did Manchester City. They literally signed one player and that was Jack Grealish. So when you consider the fact that they did lose Sergio Aguero, which at the end of the day is their all-time top scorer ever in the history of their club, um, it is, you know, although he didn't play a lot last season, they got by based off a season that was, you know, kind of strange in many ways. So it'll be interesting to see how City cope one with losing their greatest ever goal scorer and two, I guess if you look at it, replacing him with a more kind of, I guess, to Pep's new model of, of doing things. Um, kind of these false nine kind of players that they can play in different positions across the midfield and, and up front. So, you know, two of the, the, the strongest clubs in, in recent history anyway making one signing this season, um, and Chelsea and Man City, uh, sorry, and, and Man United making some strong signings makes it a really, really interesting window. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I guess this takes us on to our next topic, which is squad depth. Now, I've always found squad depth a very interesting conversation because you find pundits kind of do it. Uh, a lot of people in groups have these these conversations where they talk about the starting 11 of a team and then the second 11 of a team, as if the second 11 of a team ever takes the field in a given season at the same time to somehow prove the crazy notion that the second 11 will now compete in the top four or the top six of the league. I've never quite understood that logic. Um, I look at squad depth in the sense of, when you have one or two injuries to key players, do you have players that are able to step into for a certain period of time? Now, that might be two, three, eight weeks, whatever that might be, and not derail that uh, that campaign completely. Um, and I guess that's what takes us into this conversation is what do the pundits, and I guess, Wade, maybe we start off with you, what are your takings specifically looking at the top six um, this season? in terms of squad depth and the, the, the options that are available to them. Maybe have a look at Arsenal and, and talking through that and then diving into some of the other clubs. Look, I'll start with Arsenal. I actually actually like what we've done in terms of building on our squad. Um, I think that was actually the aim for us and, and for our window. 
I mean, we didn't really bring in any wow signings that are going to, you know, really take us to that next level straight away. Um, but a big issue we had was quality, like you mentioned there, um, Connell, that, you know, by your estimation, you know, having a good squad is essentially about bringing in someone as an adequate replacement to replace one of the first team players over a period of weeks or so during the season. And I think we've lacked that big time. You know, when we, when you look at our squad, I mean, we had Kolasinac, for example, starting um, on that in the first, uh, sorry, um, I think in the second game that we played. Oh, no, sorry, against City. My apologies. You know, so to have someone like that where, um, you know, you're bringing in a guy that you're on the verge of letting go and then all of a sudden he's starting against, um, he's starting against Manchester City. It's just not good enough, you know. So I, I'm really happy with the guys that we've brought in in terms of um, adding to our depth and adding to our squad and being able to cope with a couple of injuries here and there. We're infamously um, known for having injuries throughout the season. So I'm happy in terms of what we've done uh, with our squad. Um, as it pertains to the, the other guys in the top six, um, I think City and Chelsea have the far superior squads as a whole. Um, I mean, when we played Chelsea, Kante was coming off the bench, you know, to replace Jorginho, you know, so that that's just an indication of, you know, the, the type of strength they have on the bench and how deep their squad actually is, um, especially in those midfield and defensive areas uh, particularly. I think they're very strong there. Same goes with City in, in those two areas, defensively and in midfield, you know, to have options, you've got Rodri, De Bruyne, you've got Gundogan, who was one of the best players in the Premier League last season. Um, I think that squad is just loaded. So those two really stick out to me in terms of squad depth and having, uh, you know, like-for-like players that can come in uh, when a first-team player or regular first-team player maybe gets injured and they really don't miss a beat. Um, so those two, would, uh, for me, are the, probably the, the, the two superior uh, teams in terms of squad depth. I think United uh, are probably just behind them uh, in terms of squad depth, especially, I know I've just waxed lyrical about their transfer window. Um, I still don't think they've got a better squad than City and, uh, City or Chelsea. Uh, but that front line, I mean, you look at the options they have there, Cavani, Rashford, Greenwood, Martial, Ronaldo. You could probably make a case that they've got the, you know, the best options in terms of that front line out of the top six. Um, but overall, as a squad, I still think they're just behind probably City and Chelsea. Uh, and I think Liverpool, even though, um, you know, I, I highly rate Liverpool and I, gi- I give them a very good chance this season, um, I think out of those top four teams, they're probably in terms of squad depth not as strong. Um, however, in saying that, I think starting 11-wise, they're arguably the best starting 11 in the Premier League. Maybe not so much in terms of individual quality. But I think they're the perfect players to, you know, implement uh, Jurgen Klopp's game plan. Um, and on their day, they're the most fluid and probably the most exciting team to watch in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, but in terms of squad depth, I would probably have them fourth out of the out of the top four. Um, and then Spurs, uh, yeah, you know, not too bad, I guess. But uh, you know, I, I'd probably say in terms of squad. I'd actually probably put them behind us in terms of the options that you have man for man in each area. 
But I think they've got a better starting eleven than us, and they've got you know they've got players who can really turn a game on its head. I mean, I remember watching Spurs last year and and, and this year as well. To be fair, I haven't been that impressed with the way they've started the season, but they've got a player or two that can just turn a game on its head. You know, the likes of Son and Kane. Um, so even if they're out of a game and it's tight, if they if they've kept a clean sheet. They can always nick a goal somewhere, you know, which is something that we struggle with, um, especially with the, the type of season that Aubameyang and Lacazette had last year. They were very unreliable, you know, hardly scoring any goals. To be fair, we were hardly creating any chances for them. But um, I think man for man and in terms of, you know, every position and, and the type of players that you have that could come in and still do a job, I actually think we have got a better squad than them. But I just think they've got those key players that can make a difference on any given day when perhaps they're not having the best game. So that's how I would probably rank it in terms of squad depth. I'd have City and Chelsea first, um, followed by United, Liverpool, uh, Arsenal, and then Spurs, in my opinion. You made some interesting points there, Wade. Um, you know, specifically probably towards the end there. Big call to say Arsenal have a, a better squad. Uh, then, then, then Spurs, but, uh, I guess in, in retrospect, I wouldn't expect anything, anything less from an Arsenal supporter to ever call out a Spurs squad better than Arsenal, considering that they are top and you are bottom. So that squad depth is really working out well at the minute. Um, early days, mate, early days. <laughs> Rudds, the king of squad depth. I might hand over to you and just maybe pick apart a couple of things that Wade, Wade kind of raised there. Um, have a look at, you know what? At the end of the day, you look at United's squad and the op- and and the players that you have brought in. Um, you know, and when you analyze it from that perspective, where do United fall in for you amongst the, you know, probably the top four, if you will, in terms of their their squad right now? And do you still see any short shortcomings within that team um, overall? Um, yeah. 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 So look, squad depth has a bit of a broader meaning to me than than what you described, Connell, in terms of a second team that can fill in for injuries. I think it's very important for the the top clubs that want to compete in every competition and vie for every trophy because that squad needs to be rotated. So you need to have options available um, to ensure you can play sometimes three games a week. Um, because you can't play the same 11 three games a week. It's just not physically possible. Um, I've watched plenty of interviews with Jurgen Klopp, who's complained about um, back-to-back-to-back fixtures um, and players not being robots. So I think that's where some of the squad depth becomes more important. Um, the, the, you know, the, the need for clubs to continue to compete for, the, for those honours. In terms of United, I think United squad is, is quite deep. Um, the business that we've done, what what it's meant is we've not replaced players that have left the club. So they've they've brought in stronger improve in improvements, um, but it also means that the likes of Lindelof then become a squad player, and he becomes a good squad player for us. You know, we've kept someone like Jesse Lingard, who's who's starting in the top six club, maybe not the top four, but. You know, he went into West Ham for six months and he was one of the best players in the league in that time. So, and he's a squad player for us. So I think United squad is really strong. I spoke with Donny van der Beek before. Um, I really, really rate him. Um, I liked what he did at Ajax. 
Um, disappointed he didn't get his shot last year, but you know I think um, from what what he's been saying, Oli wanted him to be tougher and stronger, um, and he's been working in the preseason and 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 in the off season um, to build on his fitness and build on his strength. He's come back a bit buffer, um, and then you know Wade spoke about our front line, so um, the squad depth is really good. Um, you know we spoke about Man City and and what they have or haven't done. I think they are short up front. Um, I really do like what he's done with Ferran Torres uh, because he's playing as a number nine. does mean Jesus is, is playing out more as a winger, um, and perhaps that's what's more suited to him. But I think that out-and-out you know, striker, goal-getter um, might hurt them in terms of winning the league. Um, I think that's what, what I had them short for. I'll go back to United for one second, just in terms of where United are short. I think it is the defensive midfielder. Um, I think Matic... His legs are not what it used to be, um, so he'd be okay for playing in the Carabao Cup um, or some. Look, he wasn't even good when he played against Southampton. Um, I think he was. Uh, oh, oh, he struggled to move around the park. Um, his quality when he gets the ball and he he's very experienced and he adds that. But um, yeah, I think his his legs are a bit beyond him. Um, so I think in in the middle is where United probably do need to strengthen. Um, you know, I think um, I, I do disagree with what Wade said in terms of Spurs. I think um, everybody, like on the pod and everyone in the league and in the world, pretty much thought Harry Kane was off. Uh, so for them to keep Harry Kane, I think it's massive for their squad. Um, I think they may have been half planning for a season without him. Um, the business they did was good as well. I think they um, they brought in this young kid, Brian Hill from from Sevilla. Um, he looks to be a star for the future. Uh, I did watch the. The conference, Europa conference game, um, they didn't win the game, um, but he looks a, a, a real star. Um, Emerson Royal, that's coming from, from Barcelona as well. That one is a really strange one for me. So um, he had just moved to Barca. Um, Barca had described him as being uh, one of their, you know, unsellable players, uh, one for the future. And then he's played two games, and then by the third game he's he's got sold off to to Spurs. So I know they they're shambles at money, but I was really shocked with getting in a player. So he's been described by many as quite similar to to Danny Alves. He might not ever reach those heights, but I think that's an exciting player. I think it was right for them to move Serge Aurier off and bring him in. I think Deli Ali back in the fold. He looks hungry. He looks like he's got something to prove. There's a World Cup next year. So I really do like uh, the Spurs squad. Um, I, I, let's see what what they get out of it. So squad depth, um, you know, in terms of me, who's who's on top? I think Chelsea. I think Chelsea. You know, they brought in. Um, you know, I think they paid what fifty, sixty million last year for Timo Werner, and he becomes backup for for Lukaku um, in midfielder. In the midfield, they've got no shortage of options. You know, all across. White spoke about. You know, Kante coming on for Jorginho, but then you've got Mount and Ziyech and Pulisic and Kovacic, and you've got now Saul coming in from Atletico. So through that middle, they've got so many options, and in the back as well, you know, you've got Thiago Silva adding that experience, and, and you know, Chilwell hasn't even started a game yet, and, you know, he was one of the best best wingbacks in the league a couple of seasons ago. So and, and he did well last year with Chelsea in his debut season as well. So Chelsea's hard to look past him. I think in terms of depth, they're really strong. Um Liverpool 
I think what I like about Liverpool is they, they're using the young players quite well. I like Harvey Elliott coming through. I think, um, you know, the, sometimes the blind side of, of bringing in players to build on the depth is perhaps you don't give the young players enough opportunities. And I like that, um, you know, Klopp hasn't shied away, whether it's, it's Jones or, or, or Elliott or whoever else. I think, um, they become the squad players and they add the squad depth. Um, so I don't think they're as bad as, as maybe, um, it looks, I think, um, um, their, their squad is strong enough to compete and for most, for most trophies this year. Some really good points there, there, Riyad. And, um, I think, I think I'd agree with you on a number of factors. You know, again, we talk about squad depth. City have, City have a number of options in a number of positions. But if you analyze them specifically up front, they're actually pretty weak, um, in the sense of a striker, right? Now, we all know what they did last season. Again, I think you know, last season was extremely unique given the back end of the COVID, uh, uh, season that we had prior straight into the next season. And it became a bit of a, I don't know. I feel like last season is written off as just one of those strange years that'll never be explained. Uh, which goes in, in, in passing to say how City won the league without really having a, a natural nine playing there all year. I cannot see them doing that again. I would be extremely surprised, given the quality that's um, on show this season, if they can do the exact same thing without having an out-and-out nine. Um, I don't think 80, 84 to 85 points will be enough this year to win you the league either. Um, so I see I see them lacking quite heavily up top. Um, you know, I, I could eat my words, but I think they will um, they will eventually come unstuck without a nine up there. Um, I think with, uh, as you said, with Liverpool, you know, I always wonder with the whole squad depth thing. I look back a couple of years ago, a year ago when we won the league, the year before that when we finished second and won the Champions League with almost this exact same squad. So this is why I always question the notion of squad depth around what is the expectation, you know, when you're promoting some of the younger players and you have a Klopp had a clear strategy, I think, early on to have players like Shakiri come in, you know, um, like the Ox, who were part of that squad to ultimately add good options off the bench instead of bringing on, I guess, unproven talent that we had when he first came to Liverpool. So I, I think to win a league and, and probably compete in a Champions League, I think you'd need probably, you know, 16 to 17 quality players that can fill in um, to certain levels. And then outside of that is where you might have these youth or younger, inexperienced players that have the potential to come in. And I mean, Liverpool are, are proof of that because they probably have about 17 players in that team that are, you know, regular internationals within their within their countries and um, also part of that that process of, of allowing those four to five younger players like your Jones and Elliot's to come through. Um, but for me, definitely the, the, what on paper, if ever, if you want to call it that, um, Chelsea and City look like they do. I believe Liverpool squad is just as good. And I believe United squad is, is, is just as good as well. I, I generally can't split those, um, at all, um, in terms of, of, of where they're lacking, except I do think City are lacking a nine. So. It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out in the in the coming months, and uh, who ultimately takes uh, takes home the mantle, which is a, a great segue into our next uh, um, segment. Chicharito, 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 Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. Torrado la juega por abajo, el arquero sale, la tiene 
There we go, into our next segment here, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a new one here for this week. Uh, now that we've had a look at, uh, you know, transfers, squad depth, and try to analyze where these teams are in terms of strength, we'll now hand over to the pundits to put their necks on the line early on. Three games in, we have Tottenham top of the log, we have Arsenal bottom of the log, and we have the uh, teams all spread out in between. And I guess what this leads us to is who is going to finish in the top four, who's going to make those European places in the Europa League, and who is going back to the championship. Raj, we might kick over to you. What is your predictions for the top four? And I am going to ask you to put it in specific order from one to four, followed by your predictions for fifth to seventh. Can I go the other way around and go four to one? Um, oh, what if you United blokes must come out sideways so you can do it four to one, <laughs> three to two, whatever you like. All right. So four to one in fourth place, I've got Liverpool and I'll tell you why. Um, so I think, um, we spoke about squad. Well, it's because you support Manchester United. That's why. No, no, it's not. I think the, <laughs> the, the reason I'm worried about Liverpool, um, in terms of competing for the title, um, and why I think they are definitely a top four team, but I think they'll finish fourth is because of the African Cup of Nations. I think um, that's a massive blow, um, no matter which way you look at it. I think losing um, two of your best players um, for that period of time, when it's a pretty critical part of the season, is, is going to hurt. Um, I think if it wasn't for that, I'd have you much closer to winning the league um, than, than I currently do. So that's why I've got um, Liverpool in fourth. In third place, I got uh, United. Um, you know, I think before Ronaldo, I probably had it the other way around. I thought I, I had um, United fourth then and Liverpool third. I think United uh, Ronaldo brings in just enough to get us over the line to get us into into third spot. Um, in saying that, um, you know, I think City are a quality team, and I think the gap that they had on us. Last year, Ronaldo coming in isn't quite enough to close that gap. Um, so um, I, I've got them in as as third. In second place, I've got City. I agree with you, Conor. I think not having a striker is gonna is gonna hold them back. Um, and then winning it, I've got Chelsea. I think the momentum's with them. They've just won the Champions League. They won the um, the Super Cup or whatever they call that. Um, the, the squad's looking good. There's a lot of confidence in there. I see them doing well. I think Tuchel's a great manager. Um, so I've got them as winning the title. Uh, rounding out the top six, um, the two other teams I'll have, I think Spurs will finish in fifth. I think I'll just miss out on the top four. Um, and then six is a toss-up um, for me between Leicester and uh, and, and Everton, actually. Um, West Ham... Um, you know, a shout out for them, but I think it's going to come down to, to either Everton or, or, or Leicester. I like what uh, Everton looked like. I think Rafa is a fantastic manager. Some interesting, interesting uh, selections there, Riyad, I must say. Um, particularly putting one of the two standout teams in the last uh, four to five years in Liverpool in fourth position. 
I, for one, hope you eat your words, and I can't wait for you to do so. Um, <laughs> Mr. Trower, what are you, uh, what's your predictions on the top, top six? I know you asked us to extend this segment out to the top 12 so that we could include Arsenal, but we don't have enough time to go through 12 teams. So if you could give us your top six, uh, that would be great. No, that's fair enough. Uh, understandable. Thanks for uh, taking it into consideration, O'Connell. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised at, uh, at Riyadh's prediction of Liverpool coming fourth there, though. But in saying that, over the years, he's actually been pretty good with these um, predictions. So um, I'm a bit sceptical uh, about going against him. But look, I, I came into the season thinking it would be Liverpool or City again. Um, I'm really impressed with the way Chelsea have started as well. So they've definitely given me something to think about. But I think I'm going to stick with Liverpool. Um, Riyadh made a great point about the African uh, Cup of Nations happening. I think it's in, in January um, it happens. And just having a quick look at their fixtures in January, I think they play Chelsea on the 2nd of Jan. And then they play Brentford and Palace that month as well. So... Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they are affected with those sorts of fixtures. I think if they can ride that out, it is a tricky period. I think if they can ride that out, though, I, I like Liverpool to win it again. I think they'll be hungry after the season they had last year with all the injuries, um, with everyone back and firing. Um, I think they're going to be hard to beat. So I'm going to go with Liverpool to actually win it. Um, second is a toss-up for me between City and Chelsea. Um, you know, I, I do take on board the point you guys made about City being a bit light up front, but, you know, just looking at, uh, at Pep's history, I don't think that's been something that's ever bothered him. And when you look at the, the goals that they get from midfield, from Gundogan and De Bruyne, um, as well as the wide players, Sterling and Marius, they've got so many goal scorers in there. Um, I don't think that's going to be a huge factor for them. Um, I think the football Pep plays is, is very fluid. I mean, he can pretty much put anyone anywhere on the field and get a tune out of them. He's that good. So I'm going to go with City second um, as well. Chelsea, I could see them, you know, coming second or, or potentially winning the league as well. Um, but I need to see, you know, if, if they can keep that consistency up, which is going to be tough. Uh, I know they've been excellent under Tuchel, so it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but I've got them coming in third, and I've got United coming in fourth. Um, so that, that that would be my top four, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, and United. Um, five to seven, I think it's going to be another battle uh, like it has been over the last few years. There's so many teams that could finish in those places, you know, Leicester, West Ham, Spurs. Uh, Rudd's mentioned Everton there as well. I'm not writing Arsenal off. I know we've had a bad start to the season, but I think, you know, we've got all our players coming back now. So I do believe we'll be there or thereabouts. But if I had to put money on it now, I'm going to go Leicester, Spurs and West Ham. Those have been the teams that have impressed me most. Um, you know, but once again, I could easily see Everton slipping in there, as Rudd's mentioned before. But I'm going to go with those to, to finish five, six and seven. Um. Yeah, that 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 would be mine. We're not talking about bottom three yet, are we? Not just yet. I'll, I'll chime in and give my uh, my top seven. Um, yeah, that's mine. I do really, I do really like your your top four there, Wade. Really, really like it. I must I thought say. You I, might. Yeah, I thought you probably might. one of the best I've I've heard, and probably the one with the most 
kind of common sense out there that I've that I've seen lately. So good on you, mate. You okay, so definitely going up in my book. <laughs> Rudd, you've had your time, mate. Can you just uh, pipe down? Thank you. <laughs> Um, so top four for me is uh, is pretty clear in the sense of the top four teams, you know, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United. You know, you might sit there and go, it could go either which way with the squad. I think we're in for an exciting season this year between those four. Um, but if I had to split it, I still think, and I know Chelsea have won the European Cup um, last season, going on a bit of a crazy run towards the back end of the season under Tuchel. I do think the league takes a little bit, uh, more to win. Lukaku is a great addition to get them potentially across the line. But I just, until somebody breaks the, the, the Liverpool kind of ch- uh, city, uh, dominance over the, the last few years in terms of, you know, when they, when they are purring, I still think those are the top two. Um, I think Liverpool are quietly going about their business and Klopp has a steely determination after last season. And the, the, the turmoil, I guess, that Liverpool were in with their centre back debacle, um, and the way in which that season was with some crazy records being set with six losses in a row at Anfield. I just feel like he's got a, a new, new kind of focus within him, the new players back, if you will, Virgil and them. So I see Liverpool, uh, coming in, coming in past the post first. It's a tight one again between these three for me in, in, in Liverpool City and, and Chelsea. But I see City just being City. I still rate Liverpool and City as the two best teams in the league. Um, and I see City coming in second, even though they're lacking a nine. Um, I see Chelsea being very hot on their tails, uh, and Liverpool's tails for that matter. So, you know, them coming in third and United ultimately finishing in fourth. Um, I think that the rest of them in terms of five, six and seven, I've got Leicester finishing it in fifth spot, in fifth spot. Uh, missing out again on the Champions League. I've got Spurs coming in sixth and Ruffers Blues, not Ruffers Reds, finishing in seventh spot. So some similarities between us there, gents. I guess um, we'll wait and see what that top seven looks like and specifically what the top four order finishes in. Um, really quickly, can you guys give me your relegation predictions? Uh Give me your bottom three, no discernible order, just who are the three teams to go down? Uh, Riyad? All right, I'm concerned about Crystal Palace. Um, I really hope they don't go down. Um, and I think we need more black managers in the league. I hope Vieira does well, but I'm concerned looking at the, the first few games. So I think they look like they'll be going down. Um, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be upset about getting Burnley relegated. Um, and then of the, of the three new boys, I know Brentford have, have come up with no Premier League experience at all. So there's no one in their squad that's ever played Premier League before. Um, so I wonder if that's going to be enough um, during the season. Um, I hope so. I like the, what, what they look like. So the three for me would be Crystal Palace, Burnley, and then Norwich. And Wade, what do you think? Do you agree with, with Rudds or you got uh, a different three? I've actually got uh pretty much the same teams in the mix. I'd probably throw Newcastle in there as well, looking at the way they've started. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they find themselves in a relegation battle moving forward. Um Palace do worry me as well, uh, for for the reasons that Rudd's mentioned there. Um they haven't had a good start to the season. 
you look at that squad and you wonder, you know, where goals coming from. Um, you know, are they, are they, are they going to be able to hold teams out? Uh, it's a big worry. Um, but I do think Norwich for me look a lot to go down, especially the way they've started the season. Um, I've got Burnley going down as well. They just scraped it last year, probably the last couple of seasons now. Um, and once again, I agree with Rudd's there. I wouldn't miss them if they went down to the championship. Um, and then I would probably have to go with Brentford as well. I know they obviously had a, a really good um, opening day at, uh, at, at, at our expense, unfortunately. Um, but I think, yeah, they just lack that Premier League experience. You wonder if they can keep it up. They're going to come out and attack teams as well by the looks of it. And, you know, that doesn't always work out very well for teams that have just been promoted. So um, I've got those three going down this year. I've got Norwich, Burnley and Brentford. Yeah, interesting. I think we all, you know, one team that stands out that tries to play football and maybe a bit of naivety, but they've backed their manager is Norwich. I just cannot see them surviving at all in this league with the way that they play. Um, I hope he proves us wrong because it's always good to see a, a refreshing sort of style from a team coming up from the championship and actually trying to go at, at teams. But I don't know. I just feel that they won't have the, the strength in depth to actually be able to stay up. They have all the hallmarks of a team that is in a relegation fight from day one, leaking goals left, right and center. So they are definitely my favorites to go down. So I think we, we unanimously agree on that one. You know, as much as I'd probably like Burnley to go down, I, I think they'll just survive playing that brand of football that um, no one really enjoys watching, but ultimately seems to work for them. So I don't have them in my three, but I have um, one team I am particularly worried about is Southampton. Um, losing Danny Ings is a, is a massive loss. He was a, a huge portion of their goals last season. And I'm, I don't really see Shea Adams getting, you know, in double figures. Although he has scored a couple at the start of the season, I think Southampton are going to struggle. Um, and I can see them in a relegation scrap and potentially, you know, getting relegated um, as well. And then lastly, I hate to say it, as much as I'd like to see Vieira uh, succeed, I think Palace are, are going to be in a world of pain um, and could ultimately come come unstuck so i guess those are are the bottom three on my end and um we will wait and see how this this pans out i guess i'll I'll ask you guys really quickly just name me the two teams without going into too much detail who do you think uh will win the champions league and europa league I'll start on that one. So Champions League, I think you can't look past PSG. Um, you know, um, that squad is loaded. Um, and anything but the Champions League for them, I think it'll be a flop. Um, and in terms of Europa, it depends on who gets knocked out. I think um, any one of the Premier League teams that get knocked out could be favourites. Um, so, you know, if you find someone like Chelsea in the Europa, you'd expect them to go on in a minute. So um, w- without knowing who's going to get who's going to drop down from that, from that spot, you know, maybe none, um, but I'd, I'd back a Champions League team to win Europa. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd have to agree with Rudds again. Um, I think it's very hard to look past PSG after the business that that they've done. I mean, that team on paper just looks like it's a it's a cheat code. To be honest, it's like something you'd put together 
when you're playing FIFA. So um, it's very hard to look past them. I think they'll they'll be favourites to win it. I mean, Bayern Munich obviously always going to be strong. They could be there or thereabouts. Um, you know, obviously the big boys in England as well, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, any of those could be up there. But I mean. At this stage, very early on, and just looking at the moves that have been made in the summer, I'm going to go with PSG. And, yeah, it's, it's difficult to call probably the Europa until we do see the teams that go down. Um, generally, those are the teams that end up going all the way. So um, I guess we'll have to wait and see with that. But in terms of Champions League, yeah, I'm going to go with PSG as well for that one. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The pundits have put their... Next on the line with their predictions and hopefully at the end of the season, either Wade or Connell are correct. We will find out at the end of the season. Going into our next uh, segment, we lead the way with none other than the man himself. I prefer really not to, not to speak. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. I guess uh, why is he in big trouble is the question because we are going to ask the pundits to now name who they think will be the top three managers with their necks on the block. So really quickly, guys, who do we feel is under pressure from day one? Um, and really just who are the three managers you think are walking a tightrope at this stage and will be gone before the next international break? Wade, what are your thoughts? Well, I think we've already mentioned it, but the first name that comes to mind, <clears throat> unfortunately, is Patrick Vieira. Um, I think the way Crystal Palace have started, uh, you know, they haven't looked very good. Um, the squad is just poor. I think what Roy Hodgson did with that team to just maintain, a, I guess, a steady ship while he was there was was really, really good. Um, but when you look at Vieira's track record, it's not the greatest, so I really worry for him. So uh, he would be my early favourite. Um, Steve Bruce, I think, is going to be under immense pressure at Newcastle. Um, I think they've been calling for his head for a long time now, so if they don't get results soon, um, I think he could be another guy out the door. And then third would be Cisco Munoz uh, at Watford. Uh, I know they've had a decent start to the season. Um, they've played some nice stuff, but, you know, I think the Watford owners are known for pulling the trigger fairly quickly if things don't go their way. So I think he's a guy that's going to be under pressure as well. So those would be my top three, probably in that order. Patrick Vieira, Steve Bruce, and Cisco Munoz. Yeah, look, I, I have to agree. Um, I suppose I have one more name that you didn't, uh, Wade, so I agree with everything you said. I think uh, we already spoke about Crystal Palace, Cisco, uh, and um Watford. You know, a manager looks to be doing well, and next minute he's out the door. Um, so the expectations look really high for a team that has come from the championship. So it's it's always strange when you see Watford second manager. So I don't think it's a surprise that he'll be in the firing line. I think Steve Bruce is probably not as. <sighs> I'm not sure if he'll be sacked. I think um, Newcastle want to sell that team. Mike Cash doesn't want to pump money into that team, so um, it's hard to see him sacking Bruce um, unless they in the relegation zone. I think Arteta is definitely one of those. Um, I think if you don't get a couple of results in the next few games, 
um, he could be the first manager out the door um, in this season. So, um, you know, hopefully, as you were saying, he turns it around. But if he doesn't, um, he's, he's got to go. Um, I know over the international break, the Antonio Conte rumors starting to heat up. Um, I was listening to Gabriel Mokotti and he was saying that it's, it's viable. There's no way else for Conte to go. He's done the, he's done the rounds in, in Italy. Madrid don't want him. He's not going to go to Germany or, or, or France. Um, so Arsenal's not such a bad option for him. So uh, it's something that he would definitely consider. Um, so I think if the results don't, don't, don't pick up, Arteta's going to watch his back. There we have it, folks. I would agree wholeheartedly with all the selections made. Vieira, Steve Bruce, to a lesser extent, as, as Riyad said, but I think he, you know, a couple of bad runs and the natives will get restless and he could see the, uh, the door first. And definitely the, um, the manager at Watford, Munez, would be up there. Um, and Oteta, 100%. I think as much as they're talking about a plan and where Arsenal are headed, if, if you guys continue this, poor form that you're currently in, Wade, I can see Arteta uh, being thrown out the back door and a new manager being ushered in to restart the uh, process all over again. So I think it's interesting times, but we have our predictions and they are now cast in stone, gents, and we will have to review these at the end of the season. So that leads us into our final segment um, as we pave the way for our resident host, Rudds with his famous intro music. Thank you, Pat. Over to you, sir. <laughs> All right. So um, a little bit different to, to last week. I've got two players. So the first one will go uh, in the same manner that we did last week. So I'll, I'll name some facts. Um We'll take it as as golf. So the lower the lower you score, the better it is. So um, if you get the the name right after two questions, two is a pretty good score. Uh, if you get it after fifteen questions, I'm, I'm sorry, fifteen facts, then you're struggling. Um, so we good to go, Wade Connell. Yes, Rob. I just want to say too that we had a special shout out come from South Africa. From a Brent Taylor and a Grant Fries, one, two of our biggest fans, um, calling out what an excellent trivia question you had out last week. So hoping you can maintain the bar yeah, as it seemed to be the most popular segment we had last week. Yeah, look, I, I felt sorry for you boys. I thought I'd, I'd lower the bar. Um, but, um, <laughs> that's what he thinks I, I, like, I like, I like the yeah. feedback though. So we, we may raise the bar again next week. So, um, if we are good to go. Question number, uh, sorry, fact number one. I started my career for a team named Pacos de Ferreira. Wow. That sounds like a flavor of chocolate. Oh my goodness. <laughs> all right, all right, let's move on. Question number, uh, sorry, fact number two. In 2016, I made a permanent move to Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid. Fact number three. I was on the books for Atletico for well, Atleti for two years without making a single appearance. So two years, so 2016 to 18. We we are talking about a Premier League player, yeah. yeah? Yes. yes, yes. We're all about the Premier League, yeah, and what the football. 
That's not just checking. Um, just checking. I'm gonna say I don't think it is because I think he's been in the Premier League longer. But is that Almiron from Newcastle? Not correct. No. Oh, but okay. thank you for the guess. Moving on. So the name on the back of my shirt that I wore when I moved to Wolves on loan was Silver. Silver. Not Fabio Silver. No. I was able to change the name on my kit after we got promoted into the Premier League. Nah. Nah, this is not ringing any bells. In 2019, I was part of the squad that won the UEFA Nations League. However, I did not make an appearance. UEFA Nations. Part of the squad that won the... What year? 2019? Yes. Part of what? So, that was Portugal? That was Portugal, yes. Uh, I'm going to take a complete... No, okay, yeah, keep, keep going. Yeah, right. go no, keep going. Keep going. My, my first cap for my country was in November 2019 in a 6-1 win against Lithuania. Jeez. Next one. I scored my first international goal. Oh, sorry, before that one. Um, in that game against Lithuania, I was subbed on in the 84th minute for Cristiano Ronaldo. Who I idolize. Good grief. Cristiano Ronaldo scored a goal. I'm going to keep going. You guys are throwing. Is that Neto? No. It is not Neto. Jota? Um, It is Jota. It is Jota. Complete oh guess. Gosh. Complete guess. I have to admit. <laughs> I was just thinking of Portuguese forwards, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I was trying to. <laughs> <laughs> You've Absolute got that. Guess, man. At, at Diego Jota, are you kidding me? <laughs> Diego Jota. So when he so he he moved from Atleti to Wolves. Um, in the championship, you were not allowed to use um, other names, so he had to use his legal surname, which is Texera Silva. So he had Silva on the back of his jersey. When wow. he came into the Premier League, he was able to change it to Diego. Um, I think you're not allowed to use Jota because Jota is a nickname. So there you go. I thought that was a dead one, uh, a good one for you, Connell. I'm wow, surprised. Just well, you are definitely setting the bar high. Yeah, these are really <laughs> good ones. <laughs> yeah, right. no, that have, was really good. You have a second one, um, and it's a, it's a bit different. So what I've got is it's a Premier League player. I've got the teammates he's played with in his career. So I'll just keep keep them going. I've got 40 players. Um, so it's not going to take very long. I'm not going to wait. You guys just. Throw in the guest as soon as you got one, um, and we take it from there. Are you, are you, do you guys understand that? Yeah. All right. Player number one, Ronaldinho. Number two, Alexis Sanchez. Alex Song. Frank Dubois. Thierry Henry. No. Ronald Dubois. Craig Moore, the Australian. Craig Moore, the Australian. Kevin Musket. Wow. Um, Tim Cale. JJ Okocha. Nicholas Anelka. Luis Vigo. Nope. Robin Van Persie. Remember, that is a Premier League player. 
Oh, it's a Premier League player. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin Van Persie, Phil Neville, Henning Berg. Um, Gomez, Andre Gomez. No, Gabriel Heinz. This has to be a Dutch player in my eyes. Tim Howard. Everton. Sounds like an Everton player. Could be. Everton. Louis Saha. Lucas Dinier. Man no. United. Danny Welbeck. Peter Cech. Gerard Della Lafoe. No. Uh, Olivia Giroud. Santi Cazola. We're at the halfway point, gents. <laughs> Maurizio uh, Pochettino. Wow, he played yeah. with Poch. Nacho Monreal. Thomas yeah. Gravison. Dennis Erkan. Scolacci. No, good guess. Thomas Famalin. Misid Ozil. Serge Nabry. Hector Milleran. No, Lucas no. Podolski. <laughs> Oh, per no. Mertesacker, Mustafi, he played for Arsenal. Pina. He definitely had to have played Arsenal, <laughs> Everton. Who is this guy? Um, Mikel Arteta. Arteta, there you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> well done, Jets. You only got down oh, to uh, player number 32, so you got it with eight players to go. So the, the oh, remaining wow. players are Jack Wilshere. Cinderos, Fellaini, Javino, Bentner, Baines, Rodwell, and Osman. Wow. You know what got me over the line? Uh, when you said he played, when, when Wade said, it all clicked when he said he played for Everton and Arsenal. And yeah. I said, yeah, that's Mikel Arteta. He's, he literally went across there and he was the, the main player. Yeah, so, right. so it's all about throwing you. So I, did, I needed to make sure I don't put players... Um, that were all together from the same club until the end. So you mix up the errors Ron as well. Daniel, Ronaldinho, Pochettino, JJ Okacha, um, Gabriel Heinze, he played with them in PSG. Um, he may have played with Jabi Alonso, um, cause I know he did sign for, um, Real Sociedad, but I think Jabi Alonso had moved on to Liverpool, um, just before that. So I, I didn't include him. He did play with uh, the De Boer brothers um, in um, in Scotland when he played for Rangers. And then obviously we went through all the Everton and Arsenal players that he spent time with um, during his time in the Premier League. That was epic, man. That was an epic choice, honestly. Really so good. It sounds like it's a win. I think I like those two options um, for who the heck is that. Um, um, but I think well done to the gents. I thought I'd, I thought I'd throw in Jota there because... Big week for him. Um, Firmino's out, so he's going to take the reins in that front three. So we'll see how yeah. good that, that squad depth is, Connell. <laughs> we certainly will. We certainly will. Well, can we get a score update in the trivia? I just want to see where we are with the weight of myself after week two. Hello? <laughs> Where's he gone, Rods? I think he's the score there. The trivia guy's done his part and he's, he's quit sorry, the sorry, sorry, my, my mic just <laughs> he went He chucked on. it in. <laughs> I was going to say, so, uh, under the current scoring model, we've got in, um, in name the teammate, Connell, um, won that with player number 31. So we'll keep that score running. 
Um, and then in terms of who the heck is that? Um, in terms of my facts, Wade won that with fact number 10. Um, so we'll, we'll keep that going. Uh, we'll, we'll include last week's one as a, as a tray, a, a trailer or, or a, a peanuts, uh, if you like to call it. Um, but we'll keep the score going, going forward to let the, the viewers know how you guys are tracking. Awesome guys. Awesome. That's been a, a great show, uh, everybody. And we hope to catch you next week. Don't forget to like our podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, iTunes, Podbean, you name it, we are across every platform out there. Um, find us there, like the podcast, ask us questions. We're happy to take questions and deal with those questions on our show. But until next time, this is your favorite What the Football podcast host signing off as we come to an end of another show.